Good morning. Glad that you are here this day. If you're a guest of ours, we're especially honored that you chose to worship with us this morning in the Bay Area. A lot of people away, a lot of people traveling, um, but we're glad to be together this morning to worship God. Heard about a, uh, a hooded robber that burst into a busy bank. He ordered everyone there on the ground with their face to the floor. He went over to the teller, handed her a bag, and said, fill up with all the money that you have. She did that. As he was turning to leave, a very brave customer jumped up and pulled the hood off of the robber. Without a second thought, the robber shot the man. He looked over his shoulder and there was the teller staring at the robber in the face. He shot the teller. And of course, everyone on the ground is, is terrified. And the robber said, okay, did anyone else see my face? Can anyone else uh, identify me? There was silence in the bank until a middle-aged man who didn't look up, didn't open his eyes, but he raised his hand and said, I think my wife got a pretty good look at you. Oh wait, don't laugh at that joke. Because that joke really isn't funny. The truth is that joke is tragic. But there's a reason why I tell that joke this morning. There's a reason why I'm kicking off my sermon with that tragic story. How is it possible that a man and a woman stand on their wedding day and in front of God and man profess that they are going to love each other for the rest of their lives. They, they devote their life and their love to each other till death do us part. How is it possible that a man and a woman can stand and make that commitment and then five years later or, or ten years later those same two people hate each other? And I don't mean just dislike each other, I mean they hate each other. Maybe more so than they hate anybody else on the face of the earth. How does that happen? How is that possible? How do you go from a very loving, devoted decision of, of committing our lives to each other, completely meaning it, completely sincere, how does that get to be something that's so dark and so angry? How do you go from, I want the best for us, to, I want the worst for him, and I want the worst for her? How's that possible? How does that happen? We're in this sermon series talking about family and we're spending a couple weeks talking about marriage. And I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. But first, in the spirit of total disclosure, there's a couple things that I want to confess to you this morning. And maybe confess isn't quite the right word, but there's a couple things I want to acknowledge this morning. If you have been here for the last couple weeks and if you've been paying attention, we've been talking about dating and then talking about marriage, some of you I'm sure have been thinking, especially those of you who are married, have probably been thinking, it's not that easy. Tim, you are so oversimplifying this whole thing. Because marriage is really hard. And you're making it sound so easy. Listen, I know that marriage is really hard. And I know that many of you have been thinking these last couple of weeks, but I did love my spouse, love action, love verb. I did that. But I did submit to my spouse. But I did humble myself. 
I did empty myself in that whole relationship. And it still ended in almost unspeakable heartache. And I get that. I understand that. God gets that. God understands that. And I know a lot of the information that I've shared so far has been pretty basic information. And I know how messy life gets. And I know how complicated marriages get. And I know we haven't really talked about any of the things like, okay, what do you do when there's you know, blended families involved? And, and what do you do when the finances come completely unraveled? And, and what do you do when there are addictions? What do you do when there is you know, alcoholism involved? What do you do when there's an affair? What do you do when there's violence in the home? By the way, I'll say this. If there's violence in your home, you need to get out of that home. If you're, if you're experiencing some kind of domestic violence, here's what you do. You get out of that relationship and you get out of that home. But we haven't talked about any of those, you know, those things that really make marriage hard. Those real life things that just come up. And here's my confession. We're not going to talk about it in this sermon series. And i got a couple reasons why. Should we talk about it? Absolutely. Is it necessary to talk about it? You bet. But I don't think this is quite the forum to tackle some of those kind of things. I don't think a 25-minute sermon is quite the time to you know, talk about some of those kind of things. But the main reason we're not going to talk about it really goes back to the very first week that I began this series. And I mentioned then that so many people have no idea what a committed, lasting relationship even looks like. I mean, they've never seen it. They've never seen it modeled. They've never been taught. So many people go into a relationship, go into a marriage, and they have absolutely no idea what it takes to make that marriage successful, make that relationship work. So a lot of things that we might be considering, you know, this is basic stuff. This is so obvious. Isn't obvious to everybody. Isn't basic stuff to everybody. And again, it's not their fault. They've just never been exposed. They've never seen it modeled. They've never been taught. So I have purposely kind of focused on those bigger issues in marriage. Love, respect, humility, submission. Taking our, our lead from Jesus as we deal with uh, relationships and we deal with one another. That's where we have to start with this thing. And that's where we have to stay with this thing. Because those really are the big rocks. I mean, those are the things that you've got to get nailed down if you're going to have any kind of a relationship that you ultimately desire, any kind of relationship that God ultimately desires you to have as well. So here's my, my second confession this morning. God's Word has a lot to say about relationships, and love and honor and respect, and has quite a bit to say about marriage too. But this morning, we're just going to look at one verse. Now usually I don't do that. I try to incorporate as much scripture as I can into my lessons because that's the standard, because that's where ultimate truth and absolute truth is found. But this morning, we're going to look at one verse of scripture. It's a pretty short verse at that, I might add. But there's a reason that we're going to look at that one verse of scripture because it's so powerful. And this one little verse has the capacity to change your life. And this one little verse really does have the capacity to change your marriage. No matter where you are in your marriage, it'll make your marriage stronger. And it'll make your marriage better. 
we know the verse, but we ignore it for the most part. Another confession. It's going to take us a while to get there. But when we get there, it's going to be good, trust me. But before we get there, let me share with you something that I think just about any minister or any marriage counselor or anybody who works with you know, troubled marriages will tell you, I'm not, I'm not breaking any confidences here, but I think anybody that you know, maybe you've mentored some, some married people before, and I think there's a, a common truth that maybe we don't realize. There are not a whole lot of married people problems that we deal with. There just aren't. We don't deal with a whole lot of married people problems. And you might be thinking, you're nuts because we've been dealing with like 50 of them this weekend. I bet you haven't. Now there are some, there are some married people problems that you've got to deal with, but most of what you deal with and most of what you've got to kind of take care of aren't married people problems, they're single people problems that we bring to the marriage. Really most of what we deal with the problems and the issues in a marriage aren't married people problems. They're single people problems that people have brought into the relationship with them. She just has so much anger. Man, she blows up at me and she blows up at the kids and, and I don't know how to handle the anger. That's not a married people problem. That's a single people problem that someone has brought into the relationship. Addictions. Gambling. Pornography. Those are single people problems. They get brought into a relationship and now the married couple has to deal with it. And by the way, give me about 15 seconds to stand up on my soapbox. I think that in our day and time, pornography is the biggest threat to relationships in our culture. Pornography is destroying marriages. It is ruining marriages. Men, if you have a problem with pornography, you've got to get a handle on that because it will ruin your marriage. And it will destroy your relationship. And that's on you. But the fact is we all have these issues as, as individuals we bring to a marriage. I mean, it's our marriage, but it's kind of my problem. But I bring it to the marriage and now it becomes our problem. Because all of us have been dinged up a little bit. You know, all of us have things that, that we just bring with us. Things that, uh, history, struggles, that ever persistent, ever expanding commodity that's kind of known as baggage. You know, we all enter relationships with a whole lot of baggage. We come into a romantic relationship and our heart isn't always in such great shape. And again, there's all kinds of reasons for that. Maybe it's the way we were raised. Maybe it's a past relationship that we were in. You know, maybe it's the culture that we're living in. But we bring all that stuff into a marriage. Now, I want to try to illustrate something for you this morning. And here's my last confession. The illustration that I want to share with you this morning is in no way original with me, which means you've probably seen it as well. In fact, I kind of went back and forth as to whether I should share it with you uh, this morning. But I remember when I first saw this illustration, it was really uh, made an impact on me. 
made an impression with me. So I want to share this illustration with you this morning. And chances are, if you've seen this illustration before, maybe it was in the context of uh, like some marriage counseling that was being done. So you're not going to admit to me that you've seen it before. So you know, I got that going for me. But I want to introduce to you this morning uh, a married couple. This is the husband. He's got some blue marbles there. And this is his wife. She has some green marbles, only because I could not find pink marbles this past week. But the husband and the wife here, they met in college, and they were attracted to each other because, well, I mean, take a look, she's a knockout, right? And, and he kind of has this thing going on, and, and he had a great opportunity for a job, so they fall in love because falling in love is easy to do, right? very difficult to stay in love, but falling in love is easy to do. And, and when they were dating, they were so careful. They were so careful with each other because, because she was very much attracted to him and she was trying to impress him. And he was very flattered that she found him attractive and, and he was trying to impress her. And yeah, they had some things come up and they had some issues that they dealt with, but, but they were so careful around each other. And then... They got married. They stood in front of a preacher one day and said, I promise to love and honor and obey and all those things that we pronounce and, and to, for the rest of my life. She's the one. and No, he's the one. And it's going to be a beautiful thing. And, and they get married. And then about a month into the marriage, an issue comes up. They have a problem. They have a, 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 a bump. And all this stuff starts coming out. And he looks at her and he said, what is all that stuff? And she looks at him and she says, I didn't know you had an issue with anger. And he says, well, I didn't have an issue with anger until you made me so mad. You know, and then when we had that bump and you know, this stuff started falling out. And then another couple months go by and they have another issue and another problem comes up and they, they start to you know, kind of fight and fuss with each other and, and another bump and there, there's more stuff coming out. He's got all these blue marbles falling out, and she's got all these green marbles falling out. So she goes over and she talks to her sister. And she said, I have no idea he was like that. I've never seen that in him before. That is so surprising. And he goes over here and he talks to, I don't know who he talks to. I don't know who us men talk to. We talk to somebody, I don't know. We, we talk to ourselves. But he's like, she makes me so mad. And every time she does that, I respond with with these blue marbles coming out. I respond in anger because she just keeps doing that thing and it makes me so angry. Now, it's been kind of entertaining if you haven't learned anything yet, right? But here's what I want you to see. He is convinced that every time we have a bump, every time we have an issue, every time there's some kind of disagreement, these blue marbles come out. And the blue marbles come out because she's so aggravating. And she is thinking, every time we have a bump, these green marbles come out. And the green marbles come out because he's just so aggravating. And if he would do less of this or more of that, or if he would stop or start, then all these green marbles wouldn't come out. And of course, he's saying the same thing. If she would do less of this, more of that, something different, then all these blue marbles wouldn't come out. 
Here's the deal. The blue marbles come out of him because that's what's in there. He thinks that she's causing all those blue marbles to come out, but the reason the blue marbles come out, that's what's in there. And the reason the green marbles come out of her, you're writing this down, is because that's what's in there. And every time there's a problem, every time there's an issue, every time there's some kind of conflict, every time there's a bump, what comes out is what's in there. And that's why so many people stand before you know each other on the wedding day and say, I promise, I vow, I commit, we're going to stay in love forever, and then three or four years later, I hate him. I hate her. Because they get so convinced if that person would just change, if that person would act differently, if they would do something differently, all these blue marbles wouldn't come falling out of me. And if he would just get his act together, all these green marbles wouldn't come falling out, spilling out everywhere and making such a mess. But the truth is, the blue marbles come out because that's what's in there. And the green marbles come out because that's what's in there. So, the question is, what do we do about that? How do we handle that? Well, we've made it to our one verse. Our one good verse. Here's advice from the writer of Proverbs. It took us a while to get there, but here it is. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Solomon says this, above all else, above all else, which means what I'm about to say is just as important or maybe even more important than anything else I've said so far, which is a pretty big statement coming from the wisest man that ever lived. But Solomon says, above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, above everything else, guard your heart. And you're thinking, that's it? <laughs> that's the big verse that's going to change my life? That's the big verse that's going to help my marriage? Again, too simple. But if I were to ask you, I'm not, but if I were to ask you to turn to the person beside you and share your strategy for guarding your heart, most of your reaction would be, what? I don't even know what you're talking about. Because most of you have no strategy for guarding your heart. Even though Solomon said it's one of the most important things. Even though Solomon said you've got to learn to guard your heart. See, a lot of you were in a relationship with someone and there were problems in the relationship. And you kind of blamed your problems on the other person. So what you do, you go find a new relationship. You think, if I have a new relationship, then you know all those blue marbles won't come out. And lo and behold, what do you find? In the new relationship, you still got blue marbles coming out. Why? Because that's what was in you. And you think to yourself, you know what, I've had uh, like four relationships, I've been in love all these times, four marriages maybe, and wouldn't you know, every single woman had the same problem. When you know every single woman had the same issue, they just bring out the worst in me. 
I've got to find somebody who will bring out the best in me. But what's coming out of you is what's in you. That's why it's so important to guard your heart. Let me tell you what we're really good at. We're not very good at guarding our heart, but we are very good at monitoring our spouse's behavior. You ever notice that? We're not so good at guarding our heart, but we are great at monitoring our spouse's behavior. We're experts at pointing out what, what our partner should say and do and how they should parent and how they should budget and how they should treat me. And We're great at telling them how to behave. We're not so great at guarding our own heart. And let me tell you where this gets practical. You know, we all want to feel something in a relationship, in a marriage. We want to feel something. And it's natural. And it's normal. Because, you know, this whole thing kind of started with feelings, right? Kind of built on emotions, right? And we want to feel that again. We want to get that feeling back. And we start to convince ourselves, if my spouse would just do the things that will allow me to get that feeling back, because we all want to feel valued, we want to feel loved, we want to feel respected, and we want to feel like we have worth. If she would just treat me the right way, I'd feel all those things again. Well, if he would just act a certain way, I'd feel all those things again. And we desperately want that feeling back. And we convince ourselves that, that our spouse has got to do something to help get that feeling back. Because I want to feel competent, I want to feel cherished, and I want to feel worthy. But here's the thing. If we're honest with ourselves, and I don't really have any hard data to support this other than my own marriage and a lot of marriages that I've witnessed, our ability to feel certain things is determined as much by what's in our heart as it is by the actions of our spouse. I believe that. Our ability to feel something, to, to have a, a, an experience, to, to have you know, a, a close relationship, is determined just as much by what's in our heart and the condition of our heart as it is the behavior of our spouse. Which means, if you can kind of stay with me here, our ability to stay in love is determined just as much by the condition of my heart as it is by my wife's actions. And yeah, they're both important to the health of a relationship. But what I'm saying is we naturally tend to be really good at monitoring our spouse's behavior. But we're not very good at monitoring what's in our heart. And when those blue marbles start coming out, our tendency is to say, well, if you would quit doing that, those blue marbles wouldn't be coming out. And if you'd act a different way and speak a different way and treat me differently, you know, all those green marbles wouldn't come spilling out. You know, the anger and the, the pride and the, you know, the impatience, all those things, they, they wouldn't come out of me if you just treat me differently. You know, I don't like the way you make me feel. Or I hate the way she makes me feel. And yeah, their actions might have something to do with it. But I'm trying to suggest it also might, might be something going on in your heart that you need to be guarding. And you know that I haven't finished that verse. Notice how Solomon finishes his thought. Above all, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. It affects everything you do. 
Everything in your relationship, everything in your marriage, everything as you go about your day, everything you do flows from your heart. It's the overflow of your heart. Now, Jesus would say very much the same thing in Matthew chapter 15. Some of you are probably already thinking that. Jesus talks about uh, our, our actions and our thoughts uh, coming from our heart and to keep our heart pure and right. But if you help me connect a few dots here, if our heart isn't in good shape, it's almost impossible to have a relationship that's healthy. If my heart isn't in good condition, it's almost impossible for me to have a healthy relationship with my spouse. Again, I know there's a lot of factors involved, and I know how messy life gets, and I know how complicated marriage gets. All I'm trying to say is what is in you is going to come out of you. And the faces might change, and the names might change, and the circumstances might change, but what's in you is going to come out of you. That's why it's so important to guard your heart. It affects everything you do. So, how do we guard our heart? Well, I've only got four minutes. So, I'm not going into great detail, but let me give you one thought. I think it's the best thought. And I think it's the right thought. It is going to take the power of the Holy Spirit for you to successfully guard your heart in the way that God wants your heart guarded. You're going to have to have God and God's Spirit working in you and working through you. We can't successfully guard our hearts with our own resolve and our own strength. We're just, we can't. Life's too hard. There's too much garbage. Satan's too good. So when people come to me and you know, maybe they've got some issues going on in their marriage, Usually the first question that I ask them is, do you still love Jesus? And again, I know that people who love Jesus with all their heart have real problems in their marriage. I know that people who love Jesus with all their heart have divorces, and they still love Jesus with all their heart, and Jesus still loves them. But the reason I ask that question is, if you still love Jesus, if Jesus is still the Lord of your life, you got a chance. If the Holy Spirit is still working in you, you got a chance to fix this thing. You got a chance for it to work out the way you and God both want it to work out. It might, it might not. I get that. But if Jesus is your Lord, you still got a chance. Now, I said that I only had one verse this morning. Actually, I want to wrap up with, with another verse. In Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul lists some things that are identifiers of the sinful nature. And some things that, that, that just show up as baggage. Some things that are you know, in our heart when, when, we, when we follow our sinful nature. And I want to share some of those, some of that list in Galatians 5. Uh, I think it starts about verse 19. But I want you to listen and see if some of these things don't sound like single people problems. They get brought into marriages and then kind of become our problem. Here's the kind of things that Paul says identifies you as being... Uh, uh, a heart that's, uh, that's following the, the sinful nature. Sexual impurity, impure thoughts, meanness, fighting, arguing, jealousy, 
anger, selfishness, pride, envy, drunkenness. Any of those things sound like things that, you know, single persons brought to a marriage and now you've got to deal with? Any of those things sound like things that, ooh, that's really a problem in a marriage and somehow we've got to get on top of this? Paul says that kind of characterizes the sinful nature, but we love the next verse, don't we? Verse 22. But when the Holy Spirit controls our life, He will produce this kind of fruit in us. When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, here's what's produced. Couldn't Paul just as easily said, when the Holy Spirit controls our hearts? When the Holy Spirit is working on our hearts, these are the kind of things that your heart gets filled with. When the Holy Spirit is involved, these are the things that you know we can kind of count on. And all these things that we hated to see spilling out of us before, all this mess, all the pride, all the anger, all the garbage. Wouldn't it be great instead our heart was full of love? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So that when the problems come, and they're going to come, if you've been married longer than a day, you know it's hard. Problems are going to come. The bumps are going to come. But when the bumps come... Instead of anger, I respond with, I love you. When the bumps come and, and I, well, I'm going to have to respond in that. You know, how am I going to respond? I'm going to be patient. And she keeps doing that thing. And she keeps saying that thing. And she knows how that drives me crazy. But I'm going to respond with kindness. I'm going to respond with gentleness. And she's going to respond with self-control. Why? Because what's in there comes out. Whatever is in your heart is what's going to spill out when the problems come and when the bumps happen, and they will happen. So Solomon says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Don't be so worried about monitoring their behavior. You guard your heart. It affects everything you do. This morning, whether you're married or not, we need to be in the habit of learning to guard our hearts, to be allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and work through us. It's a process. It's a growth process. You know, we don't become, or we don't arrive, but we're still becoming. We're being transformed by the power of God. Guard your heart. We've got a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement. As a family, as always, if there's something that's on your heart that you think maybe the prayers of people who love you might help with, we invite you to come and let us know here at the front. Let's stand and sing.